there are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Soul to Soul. We are back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh Parshas Ki Sisa Tov Shin Still in the afterglow. Some of us maybe even more than just a little bit in the afterglow of a beautiful, beautiful Purim that just sort of carried, carried us through the entire, the entire day. I hope your Purim was also something amazing and that you managed first of all to fulfill all of the various mitzvot of the of the day and also that it gave you a bit of a lift, gave you a bit of <coughs> of a spiritual injection to keep us going through these next few weeks of preparation for Chag HaPesach. So let's get right into what we're doing. We've been talking about Pashas Kisisa this week. There's of course lots and lots to talk about major, major events that take place. And Moshe Rabbeinu is told after the Jews have committed the sin of the Egel, says, The people have committed a grievous sin. Now, Moshe Rabbeinu is, is really, in this case, actually a davening on behalf of the Jewish nation. He's trying to save literally their skin. Hashem has said that he actually is prepared to destroy the Jewish nation. This is considered such a heinous crime, such a terrible, terrible act of commission that was done by the Jewish nation that they, they've lost their right to exist. And Moshe Rabbeinu is literally trying to keep them existing in the world. And one would think that Moshe Rabbeinu, who is presently really interceding on behalf of B'nai Israel, would attempt to decrease the seriousness of their sin. And here he says, no, he's magnifying it. He's saying, yes, they sinned a huge, huge sin. So, uh, uh, Rabbi Yechesko from Kuzmir, right, which is the, the Maim Yechesko, he explains that the first step on the road to tshuva, repentance, is always recognizing and acknowledging that one has sinned. One who puts his head on the ground in an attempt to ignore his misdeed or rationalizes his actions with a list of excuses to absolve and even justify his wrongdoing will never repent. Even if he makes a feeble attempt at tshuva, it will have little or no effect since he has not acknowledged his sin. Adam Arishan sinned and his tshuva was considered deficient. And the Rebbe explains that Adam did not view his actions as being particularly sinful. Chava not only had initiated it, but as Chazal in the Breshus Rabbah teach, she waited until he ate. This is sufficient rationalization to diminish the severity of the sin. When the sin is not clearly defined, the repentance either does not follow or at best is flawed. That is why Moshe magnified the people's transgression concerning the, the golden calf. Once the sin had been clearly delineated and the spiritual stain outlined in all its glory and detail, then the people understood the need for real repentance. Thus, what would appear to be Moshe's condemnation <clears throat> was actually his manner of encouraging and facilitating their 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 children. And this is a very important point. If we don't really acknowledge what we've done wrong, we can never ever do do a a, a, a tshuva. And and that's the only way that that things can come can come uh, can come right. We had an after this week where Shaul did something wrong, 
And even at the end of the day, yes, he said I sinned, but he never truly sort of accepted full and total and complete responsibility. And until we acknowledge and take full responsibility for what we do, we can never ever right the wrongs that we, that we create. This is one one point nine. The program is soul to soul, and on the station is High FM, and we'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul. Back on the radio, Erev Shabbos Kedesh, Parshas Kisisa. As we go out of the period of Purim and approaching Chaga Pesach, which is only just about three weeks away and forward to, to that, but Baruch Hashem, we have a beautiful, beautiful parsha that I think we can learn lots of incredible ideas from. And that, again, will always, as we try to strengthen ourselves, to make sure that we have something to think about and talk about over, over Shabbos Kodesh with our, with our family. So, we have in this week's parsha, yes, we have the Egel, the terrible uh, sin of what's called the golden calf that Klai Yisrael uh, had, but... Before that, just before that, we have the actual, after Moshe Rabbeinu spent 40 days on, on Hasinai receiving the Torah from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, from Shavuos all the way into Tamas until the 17th of Tamas where they did this terrible sin. So the Torah at the beginning, just after Sheni, says that Hashem gave Moshe the Luchas and the Torah describes to us what in fact the luchais were. And the Torah says, the haluchais, these luchais that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to my Shabbeinu, my say elokim hema. They were literally made and manufactured by Hashem Himself. The hamichtav and the, the writing on the luchais, mirtav elokim It's actually written, so to speak, in the handwriting of, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Chorus Analuchas. It was engraved into the into the Luchas. So that's the description of of what the Luchas actually were. In other words, the Torah is actually testifying to us that these first Luchas, right? These were the Luchas that were that were that were given to Moshevenu when he came down from Hasinai on the seventeenth of Thomas after being there forty days since the incredible event of. Of Maimon Hasina, of the entire Jewish nation standing at, at, at Hasina. And these are called the first Luchas as, as opposed to what we also read about in this week's parsha is the second Luchas that Moshe Rabbeinu went up again on Rosh Chodesh Elul and spent another 40 days there and came down the second time on, on Yom Kippur with the sort of second Luchas. So these first Luchas we're, we're told are Maisei Elokim. They were actually made and manufactured in Shemaim, in, in heaven. And that, of course, is uh, diametrically opposed to the uh, a second Luchais, where we're specifically told that Hashem tells Moshe, Pesol Lecha, that you have to make it. There the Luchas came from down here, as in fact it's it's written in the Medrash, in the Pirkei, the Rabbi Lezer, that uh, says, says, Haluchas These first Luchas were not created on earth, Elomin HaShemayim. They were actually created in heaven, Mai Seyodov Baruch They were actually the handiwork of HaKadosh Baruch himself. Shneman, he quotes this pasuk, They were the, the work of, of, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe Beinu by the second Luchas, make for yourself, or you act for yourself, two Luchas of stone, right? So, so uh, uh, Moshe Beinu was told to quarry some, uh, uh, snapirion, some sapphire stone, right? And, and it says, the, the major says that, where did he get it from? So there was this quarry that was, it was created for Moshe Rabbeinu in his tent, and he, uh, he cut them out of there. 
as it says, Vayifsol, he himself cut out Shnei Luchas Avonim, these two Luchas of stone, Korishonim. And they were similar to the first ones, except that these ones came from down here. So really, we have to uh, uh, then conclude that this is a fundamental difference between the first Luchas, which was actually uh, the creation of Hashem himself, to the second Luchas, which was a, a physical creation down in this earth from, from the sapphire stones that, that were down here on the earth. And the, the Alshech HaKadosh in this week's Pasha brings, he says, the entire distinction between the first Luchas and the second Luchas is that on the first Luchas, the actual stones, the actual Luchas themselves, and the actual writing that was in them, that all came from Shemaim. While the second Luchas, so the actual stone itself came from here, right? That Moshe Rabbeinu prepared them and brought them up to Shemayim. But still, the handwriting, the writing on them was still divine, was still from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That Hashem Yisbarach, He's the one that wrote on the Luchas, as it says. It says, it says, uh, about, about, about the second Luchas, it says, He wrote on, on the Luchas. And that's also, in fact, Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, bring me the Luchas, and I will write on the Luchas, all the things that were on the first Luchas that you, that you broke. In other words, that Hashem says that He Himself will write on them, right, those things that were on the first Luchas before Moshe Rabbeinu broke them, which of course, as we know what happened to the first Luchas of Moshe Rabbeinu when he saw the, the celebrations around the, the, the these Egel Azov, so the dancing, that he, he, he dropped the Luchas and, and he broke them. So Hashem says, I'm going to rewrite what was on the Luchas that, that, uh, that previously got, got broken. And because that the uh, the ruchnis, the, the spirituality of the actual writing, was also on the second on the second luchas, therefore the we know there was a, a miracle that took place on the luchas that the luchas we know were were legible from either side, whichever the the, the, the stones were square. And whether you stood in front of them or in back of them, you were able to read the, the Luchas as, as proper, as proper words. Now, uh, you know, it's the, the, the writing went all the way through, but of course, by, by miracle, because, uh, uh, what, what was, what was legible one way from the front should have been the opposite way from the back, but it didn't work that way. But since it was, it was, it was done in such a way, the, there, there are two letters, the Mem, and, and the Samach that are completely round with just a, a, a hollowed space in the middle. So the, the hollowed space that was left in the middle had nothing to be connected to. It was so floating in air. How did it stay there? So that was a miracle. So, and, and that was a miracle that we, we learned about by the first Luchas. So that appeared, that happened also in, in the second books, because the writing was the same divine writing that we had in the first luchas, we had also in the uh, in in the second in the second uh, uh, luchas. Now, uh, in the sefer Kiryas Arba, he wants to explain that the miracle of the mem and the samach in the luchas come to show us that when, at the time when the luchas existed, there was absolutely the Samach and the Mem, right? The Samach and the and Mem, which are those round letters. Samach Mem, of course, is, is an abbreviation for the, the Sitra Achra, the, the, the Yetzirah personified. And, and, and uh, at that time, he says, there was no existence for the Yetzirah because we know that at, at, uh, Har Sinai, the Jewish nation went back to the level of Adamarishan before uh, the sin was committed, and there was no such thing as a uh, as a, uh, a yetzahara at, at 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 all. However, what's sort of interesting 
is according to what this Alshech is, is saying, that on the second Luchas, there was also this, this miracle of the Mem and the Samach, in spite of the fact that the material of the second Luchas, there was no longer that miracle of, of that the Jews were, were uh, on the level of other Mauritian before the sin, because <laughs> now they had done the sin, and, and they lost that, that level. There, there was, once again, unfortunately, death returned to the, uh, to the, to the world through, through the chait of, of, of the ego. So therefore we need to say that the second Luchas, this miracle came to teach us that through learning of the Torah, we're able to nullify the, the Yetzirah and to weaken its, its, uh, its, its, its ability. As we find by, by David HaMelech, where he says that the Malach HaMovis, who, uh, who came to take his life, but he wasn't able to do it, to take it, while David HaMelech was still busy learning, learning Torah. And, and, uh, and, and that, that, that miracle came because the second Luchas, which was left us, and which is the Torah that we have, uh, uh, it has that ability to protect us and save us from, from the air. So we're going to talk about this more after the break, but let's go to, uh, do what we have to do. Uh, this is 101.9 Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 FM. This is Soul to Soul back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh. Pashas Ki Sisa. Also Pashas Para. This week, one, the third of the four very special lanings that we lane during the month of Adar. A very, very special and unique and unique Shabbos. And we look forward to spending it together with friends and family. We are talking today about the Luchais, the special, special uh, uh, gift that was given to Moshe Rabbeinu twice. The first time, the Luchas, we're told, were written, and the material and the writing were both divine. And the second time, the material Moshe Rabbeinu brought up to Shemayim from down here, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu wrote on them. And we said that in both of them, there was a miracle that a Mem and a Samach, which really have no, are not the, 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 the middle of it, is not connected to anything, were able, that tube that goes in the middle was able to stand as, as, as a miracle. And we explain, we understand that why it happened in the first Luchas, because at that point, the Jews were on such a high level, they returned to the level of absolute perfection, like other Mauritian before he did the symbol, they were not subject at all <coughs> to any evil inclination. But in the second Luchas, which already were post the sin of the golden calf. And unfortunately, that level had been taken away. On what merit did that miracle happen? And we explained that it was the fact that when a person learns Torah and puts his heart and mind into Torah, that gives him the strength to repel and, and push away and, and kind of vanquish the, the, the control of, of the Yetzirah over him, as we said, by David Amalek, Gemara tells us that on the day that David Amalek was destined to to die, so obviously the Malach Amavis came to take his his neshama, but he wasn't uh, he wasn't able to because of the fact that David Amalek did not stop learning, and he had to create some major distraction that uh, that uh, David Amalek stopped for a moment, and then and then he was able to take his his uh, his his neshama. And in fact, the, the Gemara says a similar story in, in, uh, in Moikotten about Rav Kista, and also the Malachamobis was not able to take his, his neshama because he was busy learning in Torah, and therefore he was immune to, to, uh, to, to the, the Yetzir, and he was learning all the time, and therefore the Malachamobis went and he sat on a, on a, on a huge uh, cedar tree, that was next to, next to the base medrash of, of Rav Chista. And he split that cedar tree in half, made a huge sound. And that silenced Rav Chista from his learning for one moment, because of that very, very loud, uh, uh, sound. And then the Malachim was successful in being able to take, being able to take his, his, his neshama. Now, there's a Mishnah in Pirkei Ovis, 
in the fifth parak Mishnah Vav that says Asara Devarim Nivru Be'erev Shabbos Benashmashas. There were ten things that were created on the end of the sixth day of creation in Benashmashas in that twilight period leading from Friday into into Shabbos. And he says Elohim gives the Mishnah list them Piaretz the opening in the ground in which Kairach and his uh, band of merry followers was uh, was swallowed up uh, a pi pi haber right the the uh, the the well from which Moshabenu was able to to draw water by speaking hitting the rock pi asan the mouth of the donkey that had a conversation with with Bilam akeshes the the rainbow hamon the special food that Kaiser ate in the in the uh, in the in the desert, the amata, the special stick of 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 Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu, and the shamir, that worm that they used to cut stones in the construction of the base of Mikdash, because they weren't allowed to use any uh, any metal implements, and says vaksav vahamichtav, and the handwriting and the writing itself vahaluchos. And the luchas were all created ere Shabbos in in the in the afternoon. Now this time of Benishmoshes, of of leading from erev Shabbos into into Shabbos, so it's it's a conglomeration of both choyel. It's still partly Friday, so it's part of the mundane week, and already has smatterings of of Shabbos. It already has has kedusha, right? And in, in halach it's called sofer chashecha, doubtful. Possibly it's already dark, and Suffolk and It might still be considered light. And he says, since the the first luchas were made up, were made in 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 Shemayim, and when Moshe Rabbeinu brought them down to to the earth on on the seventeenth of uh, of Tammuz, right? So then. Once they came down to earth, now they became subject to the physical properties of, of this, of this earth. So then, the, the, uh, then they became the, the mixture of the, of the Ruchnius, of what they were, what they were from their creation, and it became mixed with the physicality of this, of this, uh, of this world. Now, once we've explained that the whole distinction between the first luchas and and the second ones was in the actual uh, uh, physicality of the luchas that the first ones came from Shemaim and the second one were made here. So now we can perhaps understand what is written in the in the forward in the introduction uh, to the sefer of, of, of Shev Shemaitza, quoting the Maral Mi Prague in in Tiferes Yisrael Perek Samaches. To explain the Gemara, uh, the Gemara statement in in Gitten, Dav Samach, that it says Loi Koras Hakadosh Baruch Hu Bris in Yisrael, Hakadosh Baruch Hu only agreed to enter into a bris into a treaty arrangement with Klai Yisrael, Ela Bishvil Devarim Shbalpe, only for those things that were transmitted orally. Shenema. And he quotes a pasuk says, "Ki al pi because literally I'm going to translate it literally because on the mouth of these words, "Karati chabris," I was prepared to enter into a, a treaty with you <coughs> and and Yisrael, and and the meaning of that is that as far as the written Torah is concerned, which was actually written on on cloth on on parchment. So there's no real proof in that on the tremendous connection that exists and that perhaps this, this treaty that exists between HaKadosh Baruch Hu in, in Klaiz and Klaiso. But if we talk about the oral Torah, the Torah that was transmitted orally, that wasn't written on, on cloth, it was transmitted into the mind of, of Moshe Rabbeinu and it was given over <clears throat> to Kaiser that they should learn it, right? Sort of, uh, at least initially, Baal Later on, of course, uh, it was written down. The Mishnahis was written down. The Gemara was written down. 
because we became much, much weaker minded, we couldn't remember it all. But originally the intention was that it should all be learnt uh, orally. Right? And and uh, uh right and, and, and therefore really in the same way as, as the as the written Torah needs to be written on on cloth, so too the Torah Shabbat really needs a kind of a cloth, the cloth being the heart and mind of the human being. When we learn the Torah, that etches the Torah indelibly in inside of, of us. And therefore, by the Torah being sort of uh, 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 downloaded and invested into us, the very body of a person becomes uh, rarefied, becomes becomes holy, and that connects us with our Kaddish Baruch Hu. And that's what it says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu only was prepared to make a bris with the Jewish nation only because of the things that are Baal Peh. Because only that actually changes the, 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 the very essence of, of a person. In other words, in the second Luchas, the actual physical cloth, which was the, the stone that Moshe Rabbeinu brought, so on which the Torah was written it was the Torah Shabbat that was written. But the Torah Shabbat was written on, on the physical bodies of, of, of Klaisa. And the Rami Pano in, brings down in, in Asara, Asara Mamoris that the entire Torah Shabbat was actually written on the first Luchas. Everything. Every sort of gasha, every teret, every rishon, every achron was all written on the first luchas. And he brings there that if someone merits to, to think about and, and have a new understanding, a, a deeper sort of, uh, 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 insight into Torah, what we call a chidush, something that he understands absolutely clearly, and, and it's something that he's, he goes into with his full heart and his full soul without any agenda. And, and, it's, and it's really the, the emiss of Torah. So such a person merits to, 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 to uh, 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 be able to plumb the depths that, that he's able to, to, in his own mind, kind of, to, to kind of be uh, mechaven, uh, to, to, to somehow uh, find his way to understanding those things that were written on on the luchas, and that's in fact what we daven for every day. We say, "Sein chelkenu b'sarasecha." Give us our portion in in the Torah. In other words, that we should be zayche, that through our learning we're able to understand, we're able to grasp, we're able to sort of come to a, a clarity in those things that were written on the actual luchas. Therefore, it comes out that the more a person is involved in, in, in the study of, of Torah, and, and the more he really tries, at whatever level, he's learning a Pasuk of Chumash, and he tries to really understand what, what he's learning, or he's learning Mishnayis, whatever it is that a person is learning, the more a person tries to reveal his own portion, and, and often that portion in Torah is, is what you enjoy, what you find, what you find stimulating, where you, where it draws your mind, and of course people have different interests. There's some people who really enjoy the sort of the, 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 the to and fro of, 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 you know, kind of give and take and question and answer, and some people enjoy, uh, uh, studying Chumash, and some people maybe are, 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 or like, uh, more the Jewish, get involved in halacha and Jewish law. Some people enjoy the stories of, of the Talmud and, and try to understand. And that's all part of Torah Shabbat So, the more we get into it, the more we try to understand and get clarity, so what he's actually doing is, is he's engraving on his own body the Torah Shabbat And then his body becomes more and more pure, more and more spiritual, like the actual first Luchas, where even the, the physicality of the Luchas, of the first Luchas, was, was spiritual. We have the ability, by learning Torah, to turn ourselves into the first luchas, where we can make our bodies spiritual, and then we we merit to get to the to the to the level of 
where the Mem and Samach are flooded, where we become free, we become emancipated, we become dominant over our own Yetzirah. The more uh, Torah we learn, we, 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 we have a, a less, we're less uh, exposed to the Yetzirah, and, and, and we, we live a, a more miraculous type of, type of uh, existence. However, when a person reaches a level, and this is a little bit beyond us, when we get to learning the very, very deep parts of, of Torah, because when we get to the deep parts of Torah, so that is, that is already a, 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 a connected directly to the first Luchas. And if already we say by, by learning the revealed Torah, by learning the, the Chumash, by learning the Gemara, we already explained that after the breaking of the first Luchas, so a person then has his own body on which to write the Luchas, and through that he becomes purer and, and more spiritual. When it comes to, to, to the, to the study of the deeper parts of Torah, which of course is only available to those who have completely, completely immersed themselves and become experts in all the areas of the, of the revealed Torah, the person reaches the level where he's able to, to, to begin to dabble in, in, into the Torah, what's called the Torah Sainista, into the deeper elements of Torah. So then, you cannot even begin to start that until your your physicality is is so pure and so spiritual. Then, only then, is a person even even eligible to learn the the the, the hidden the hidden Torah, like those first luchas where the actual physicality, the actual body of the luchas themselves was came from came from a, a, a shemayim. The 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 uh, Imriemis brings down that even though that the Chazal tell us that as Moshe Rabbeinu dropped the first luchas and broke them, so it says the oisias, the letters that were written on there, were flying. They flew off the luchas into the into the uh, into the air. It says, however, one thing remained. He says. The, the commandment, the fourth commandment of Zacharis Yerima Shabbos Lekachoy, that remained on the Luchas. That did not fly away. And that's why we say in, in, in the Shemayna Esrei, on, on Shabbos morning, we say, Ushnei Luchay Savonim Haribiyadah, my Shabbenu brought down these two Luchas, the Kosovahem Shmira Shabbos. And it was written, about Shemir Shabbos, the Shemir Shabbos remained on, on the Luchas. And let's perhaps try to explain what, what the, uh, what, what the Gereb is saying based on a Gemara in, in Mesech Shabbos, on, on Dav Peches, where it says there that Dovash Rav Simoy, Rav Simoy made the following explanation. It says, B'shoshik Dimu Yisrael, Nasa when the Jews did the amazing thing, of, of saying, we will fulfill the Torah, and only then Nishma, even though we haven't yet understood what the Torah is all about. So 600,000 angels came to each Jew, and they gave him two crowns. One was Keneget for saying Naseh, and one was for saying Nishma. When the Jewish nation, unfortunately, besmirched themselves with the, uh, with the uh, sin of the golden calf, so then, a hundred, uh, 1.2 million angels descended from, from Shemayim and took off those clothing. As it says, that those crowns were, were taken away, were confiscated at Chachayev. And Rabbi Yochanan says, right? And what happened to them? Moshe Rabbeinu got all of those crowns. Why? Because the very next passage says, well, Moshe Yikach Esa Oyel. Moshe took the, the oil Moyed and moved it out of the, of the camp. And Rashi, Rashi says, it says what? Uh, uh, that Moshe Abenu was, and, and, and the, the, the shining of Moshe Abenu's face was because of all those crowns. Rashi Shlaker says, 
Those crowns are going to be returned to us. As it says in Yeshaya, Those Hashem reveal, will, those Hashem will redeem, will come back. They'll come back to Zion with great joy. And this eternal Simcha will be on their heads. Right? That simple that was always on the heads will, will be there. The, the Svarim explained that in fact every single Shabbos Kodesh we get those crowns back. Shabbos is called the Yom of the Neshama. Every single Jew is Zeicher to get such a spiritual a high and, and to get back to the situation where we are equatable with the first luchas, where, as we said, the, even the physical part of, of the luchas, both the physical, actual body of the luchas, and the writing, were both, were both, uh, were both, uh, heavenly. And that's why it says that, that, uh, uh, it was said over that anyone who zeicha to be buried on, uh, Erev Shabbos, sort of towards the Towards the uh, the afternoon, right, will will uh, be saved from many many different kind of uh, suffering because the kedusha of Shabbos already already uh, is coming down to the world and 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 protects a person and and will save him from many many kinds of of pain and and suffering and that's what the secret of of of, of Friday. In other words, that the the purpose of us. And that's, and that's how we look forward, and that's how we prepare ourselves for, for, for Shabbos. Now we understand what the Imrayamis is saying, that the first luchas that remained on the luchas to teach us that even after Moshe broke, broke the luchas, every single Jew is Zaychan Shabbos Kodesh to get back to the situation of the first, of the first luchas. And therefore, on, on Shabbos, it's especially a time to devote ourselves to learning, learning of, of Torah. Of course, on Shabbos, we have time to, to daven in shul, to spend time with the family, to have beautiful meals. But every moment we can, if we learn Torah, we are connecting ourselves to the most spiritual element of ourselves and raising ourselves to a level where who knows what we can achieve and how close we can become to Hashem. This is 11.9 FM. The program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment with our Hilchos Shabbos segment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM. This is Soul to Soul. Back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Kisisa, which is also this week, Parshas Pora, Tav Shin Pei Gimel, as we get ready for another amazing Shabbos. Baruch Hashem, Hashem has given us Shachyon Vekimanu. He's got us through Purim, and Purim we mamish, hopefully enjoyed and grew and really were inspired by. And now we come to another beautiful, beautiful Shabbos. As we always do at this point on the show, let's discuss the important details that we need to know for this coming Shabbos. So, this afternoon, the earliest time for lighting your Shabbos candles is at 5, 11, 11 minutes past 5. Already, you can already get Shabbos into your home, barely two, two and a half hours from now, even less. And, and we can really, really bring the Kedusha of Shabbos into our, into our home. As we spoke before, it's Shabbos is, is, is the day on which we can really, really Connect and can close to our Baruch and if you can grab a few extra minutes, then certainly let's do that. Let's get the food ready. Let's get the house ready. Let's get ourselves ready and and welcome the Shabbos Malkas or the Shabbos Queen into our home as soon as we possibly as we possibly can. The latest time for benching Lich tonight, so we're off our our quarter past six uh, sort of perch. The, the latest time for lighting candles we get at six. 11, 11 minutes past 6 is absolutely the latest time 
for lighting candles, right? One only uses the time after that, the minutes after that, because Shkia is at 6.29, but one only uses those minutes after 6.11 in extreme emergency situations. Otherwise, we consider that Shabbos has started by 6.11, cars should be parked, the house should be in order, lights should be on, everything should be as it should be on on, uh, on 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 Shabbos, so that's that's the beginning of Shabbos. If you want to be able to daven Mayrev in the correct time and not have to repeat the the Kriyishma, so all you have to do is wait until six forty-seven. That's already considered night, as far as we're concerned. You can say Yishma then, and you'll be able to then sit down and enjoy an amazing, amazing Shabbos meal together with your friends and and, and family, and really. And, and talk about the Pasha and talk about the week and let people relate how they handled Purim and what they learned on Purim and what, what they grew on Purim. Yeah, because, because all these things, all these Chagim, all these special times we have in our, in our life, in, in our year are there to teach us something, are there to, to take, to, for us to take away something from, from the day. And that's an interesting discussion to have on the table. What do you take away from this year Purim? How's it going to make you a better person? How's it going to make you a better Jew? How's it going to make you a more aware person or a more aware Jew? Very, very important things to, to do. Tomorrow is Pasha's Kisisa, quite a long Pasha, a lot about the Ego, but many, many other things in in the uh, in the parsha, it's also the parsha's parah, the third of the very special readings that we have during the month of of uh, of Adar. This is the penultimate of those four those four special Shabbos talks about the laws of purification of, of, of a person who has become defiled by contact with a dead person by having the ashes of this special uh, cow sprinkled on on him. And of course, the haftarah is then the one that is appropriate to that special uh, maftir, to that special laning, which we which we uh, uh, then always the haftarah always is attached to what we lane as the uh, as as the maftir because it's one of the special four shabbosos. We don't say av av rachamim, and the shabbos uh, carries on. Baruch Hashem, the day is still long. Shabbos kodesh ends. Tomorrow night at exactly seven o'clock. Seven o'clock is the termination of, of Shabbos and we go into another, another beautiful, beautiful week. Still not time yet to get concerned about Pesach. It's still three more Shabbos after this until, until, uh, uh, we get to, to sort of the era Pesach zone. And, and therefore we go, you know, we can move without being too, too tense and too, and too nervous. We are talking about the laws of Bishel. We started last week, or I think two weeks ago, and we were talking about the concept of, you know, we already learned that one is allowed to heat up on Shabbos something that was already cooked properly. Why? Because we know that the, the, the prohibition of Shabbos is to take food from a situation where it's raw to a situation where it's cooked. But once the food has already been cooked, so there's no prohibition to actually just heat it up. But we still need to to clarify for ourselves, would it be permissible on Shabbos to take food and, and transfer it from a situation, let's say, where it has been cooked, and now I want to carry on a bit, I'd like to roast it. Not the same exact thing. I, I cooked it before, now I'd like to roast it. Or before my, the, the actual preparation of the food was by baking, now I'd like to cook it a bit, or something along the, those lines. For example, would I be allowed to take meat that's been brined before Shabbos and put it on Shabbos into a pot of uh, of, of chalent and, and it, in order for it to be cooked, right, on the one hand, it's already no longer a raw piece of meat. It's already been prepared for eating. It's already been, been bright. It's, it's edible. On the other hand, putting it into the, into the chalent pot will now change its situation. It's no longer going to be a, just a roasted piece of meat. Now it's also going to be a cooked piece of meat. I'm changing its status from roasted to, to cooked. So, 
we have, as many, as we often do in these types of things, we have an argument. According to the, the Rav Yor and the, uh, uh, the Mordechai and, and most of the Rishonim, there's no prohibition to do this. Why? Because since the, the, uh, the heat of a fire, it's already, already been changed from being a raw object to being a edible object, whether that edibility came through cooking or baking or, or brying, still, that automatically means that there should no longer be any further prohibition of, of cooking it. And if I now decide I want to take something that was cooked and, and all the way around, let's say I took something that was, that was, uh, bright and now I want to change it into a cooked object all the way around. So that really isn't considered a new act of, of cooking. It's just, uh, giving it some more, some more taste and that, that should not be prohibited. And in fact, that is the halacha. Uh, according to some of the of the uh, poiskim, or some of the uh, asfardi, some of the asfardi poiskim. However, according to other of the shoyim, Rabbi Lezami Mintz in the Sefer Yireim, so yes, he agrees that it will be mutter to heat on Shabbos a food that's been cooked or baked or brined, but to change. Its essence from something that was bright to something that you're now cooking, that is forbidden. Why? Because that is considered like a new act of, of cooking. And in the same vein, it would be forbidden to take some bread that's been uh, 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 baked, right? And to put it, let's say, into a, a pot of cooked food. Because by doing that, you're, you're changing its status. You're changing it from a baked piece of bread to now a cooked piece of bread. And even if, let's say, the, you're putting it into, not into a tradition, you're putting it into a klisheni, we still have to worry that maybe bread is one of those things that is easily cooked, and therefore it might get cooked even in a klisheni. And in fact, that is the minute of, of the Ashkenazim, to be, to be Mahmoud, the Ramah says so in, in Shinyutches. And, and, uh, in fact, some of the other Poiskim also, uh, agree with that. But the Chachila certainly wants to be Mahmoud about that. And the Ben Ishchai, uh, brings that, uh, brings that down. Now, however, even those who are, are careful and, and are Mahmoud in this issue, they'll agree that certainly Bidiyavad, after the fact, if you did cook something that was baked, or bake something that was cooked, the, the food does not become prohibited. Because certainly, on a Bediyavid level, it will be possible to rely on, on the opinion of the many, many Yushoyim who are, are, are Mati. And that's what the meaning, meaning of the, uh, of the, of the most of Kaisal. Right, so we're going to come back with some final words in a moment after the break. This is 11.9, Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul, and this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kodesh. Parshas Kisisa, Tov Shin Pei Gimel. Warm welcome to those of you who have joined us or those who are staying with us. It's so great to, to have you. And I, I just consider myself so honored and, and privileged to be able to spend this bit of time with you every Erev Shabbos talking about the Pasha, talking about Hilchas Shabbos, hopefully teaching each other something, hopefully inspiring ourselves and, and getting us ready to spend Shabbos in a much, much more meaningful type type of way, because that's the whole point of, of of this broadcast. That's the whole point of what we're trying to reach and and and, uh, and kind of have a, a, an impact on on people on the community and get people more more thinking about issues, more involved, more clued up on on issues, particularly of of, of Shabbos. And that's that's really what what it's all about. So we're talking about. Uh, taking food that was prepared in one type of way and, and now trying to, uh, 
uh, heated up in a different kind of way. There's some that was roasted to, to cook it, or some that was baked to, to cook it or roast it. So we said there are opinions both ways. There are some opinions that say that since it's already been prepared and, and made edible, the fact that I do it in a, in a different way is just an enhancement of taste and nothing more than that. And then we also brought an opinion that says no. That it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. It's considered like a new act of, 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 of Bishop. And the truth is, so how do we, how do we actually come, come out? So according to the, the minute of, of most Jews across the world, the custom is to be machmir, to be strict in, in this, in this halacha and not to take something that was prepared in, in one way, and possibly subject it to a different type of of heating, and therefore there's the very very uh, uh, important and practical ramifications of, of this law. Let's say, for instance, one wants to take a uh, a tea biscuit and and dip it in a cup of of tea or coffee. Would you be allowed to do that on Shabbos? So according to what we're saying now, one would have to be very, very careful that the coffee should not be in a cliché. In other words, um, that you fill a cup directly from, let's say, from the urn and put the biscuit in there because you already said that according to many, uh, 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 biscuits might be something that is easily cooked and therefore could possibly be cooked in a cliché. And therefore, you have to ensure that you only do it once it's been transferred into a kli shlishi, which everyone basically agrees that that would not be capable of of cooking the 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 uh, the biscuit. Similar thing, if you have this uh, incredible desire to put your challah in in your soup. So again, if you serve the soup by transferring it from the pot into the soup bowl using a, a ladle. So according to some Paiskim, since the ladle itself serves as a klisheni, the bowl would then become a klishlishi, and you'd be able to be lenient and put the, the bread uh, in the soup and consider the soup as being a klishlishi and therefore dip your bread into it. And that the Mishnah Bura says that in, in, in Shin, Shin There are those that say, however, that a ladle is not a klisheni, that since it's immersed totally and sometimes even left in the klirishan while serving, it actually uh, gets heated up to the heat of a klirishan. And if that would be so, then the plate would only be a klisheni, in which case you could not put the the uh, bread in in uh, in there and uh, and therefore there are some who are careful even in that uh, in in that in that situation um soup nuts are permissible because soup nuts are prepared by frying and frying is a kind is considered halakhically like cooking and therefore you're not using a different methodology of heating them up. They were cooked in preparation, and now by putting them in a hot soup, you're at best cooking them again, and that is that is permissible. Okay, that's again all the time we have this week, and there's just enough time for me to wish you all a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos. May we have a inspired Shabbos, and to each and every one of you, a, a beautiful good Shabbos.